Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. So now that we have and we've earned our instrument rating, what are some things we have to do to maintain just currency? We're not talking proficiency, we're just talking currency. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com and you are listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, GroundSchoolAcademy.com. Few important announcements by the way, as of this recording, Oshkosh 2017 is days away. Uh, By the time you're hearing this, it's certainly uh, right there. So do make sure you come and see us in Hangar B, Hangar Bravo. Come check out the M0A.com booth right when you walk in Hangar B. Just slightly to the right, you'll see M0A.com right there. Great chance to just meet this wonderful team here, including myself, that makes M0A.com really tick and run. So be watching for that. Also, maybe you can't make to Oshkosh to see our seminars or anything like that, we are coming to a city near you, goodpilottour.com. Visit goodpilottour.com to see over 50 cities in the United States and Europe. We just finished most of our Europe dates, uh, delivering just great free FAA seminars, no sales pitch or anything like that. We're just there to simply deliver great value and make yourself and the rest of the aviation community in your area safer and smarter. So goodpilottour.com see where uh, where we're going to be and see if we'll be at a location near you. Uh, just some hotels, some airports, depending on where we could find seminar space to make this happen. But very excited to meet you all and just deliver more on aviation safety. So let's talk about this idea of instrument currency. What does the FAA say? I mean, we have our instrument rating. How do we keep it current? But let me first start, and you've heard me share this before, with the difference that I believe between currency and proficiency. A current pilot is current by the FAA standards. What I'm going to read to you today, you've done everything to check a box to say, yes, I am legal, but are you proficient? Proficiency is, would you take your significant other up flying? Would you take that friend or that coworker up flying? That's what proficiency really is. Currency is what's in a logbook. Proficiency is what you what you really that skill set you really have to take those loved ones up flying. That's what we're striving for when we come to this idea of proficiency. We'll probably do a podcast in the future on this idea of just proficiency. But let's talk about what the FAA says at least is the bare minimum, because in order to be proficient, we do need to understand what is the bare minimum in the FAA's eyes as far as currency. So we have to know what's what's the least we, we can do to be current, and then going above and beyond that. That's what's so important. So I'm going to read you some regs. I'm going to do my best to spice them up and most importantly, break them into plain conversational English so they make sense for all of us here. 6157 subpart C is what defines instrument currency. 
and subpart C is instrument experience. It says, except as provided in paragraph E of this section, we're going to talk about that, a person may act as pilot in command under IFR conditions or weather conditions less than the minimums prescribed for VFR only if I can only operate in IFR conditions if, one, the use of the airplane powered power lift helicopter airship for maintained instrument experience within the six calendar months preceding the month of the flight. Now, let me explain that. This is a rolling six months. We have to do these things within a rolling six month period. I'll explain here in a bit. We have to. Now, this can be done in either actual weather conditions or under simulated conditions using a view limiting device that involves having performed the following six instrument approaches, holding procedures and tasks, intercepting and tracking courses, through the use of navigational electronic systems. It talks about that, right? That is the bare minimum that we can get by and do. Now, that's six approaches in what I call a rolling six months. For example here, let's say I do five approaches in January, right? Starting January 1st to make our math very easy. Starting January 1st, I do five approaches. And then in February, February 15th, picking a random date here, I do my sixth approach. I am current, right? Well, yes, for a little while. Let's see, January, February, March, April, May, June comes around now, the sixth month. June 1st comes around. And that, let's say I did one approach every day, January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th to get my five approaches. I did one, the first or the fifth. I am no longer current come June 1st. Why? Because it's a rolling six months. Once that approach on January 1st drops off, once it's beyond that six months, right? Once that approach drops off, I only have five approaches. And then you know, the second of the month comes and I only have, and you can see how it goes down from there. So it would behoove me to do an approach in March and an approach, you know, and, and, and two in April maybe and continue because it's a rolling, it's accumulation of everything. Approaches you did six months ago begin to fall off is what happens. When they fall off, you can't use them. So it's a rolling time period to maintain currency. Now, it's interesting that the FAA does have something to say about proficiency. And, you know, proficiency to me, again, it's taking, taking that loved one flying, but proficiency to me starts with having my hard set personal minimum numbers, knowing how to make smart go and no-go decisions. All comes with being proficiency. A proficient pilot shouldn't have to use their skills that they're so proficient in unless they really need them, right? A real true proficient pilot is smart enough to make educated go and no-go decisions. A proficient pilot knows their skill set and goes, you know what? Could I probably get this flight done? Yeah, but do I need to? No, I, I, I don't. I'm a hobbyist pilot, let's say. It, it's not necessary. This flight is just barely within my wheelhouse. 
You know, I have, I have X amount of skills and I could probably do this solo and everything would be fine. But you know what? I just don't want to push it. That's what a proficient pilot says. I also give the analogy there's such a, a difference. There has to be a, a, a certain bit of humility, a humble attitude in the cockpit. A proficient pilot knows the difference between being a confident pilot and being what we'd call a cocky pilot, an arrogant pilot. There, there needs to be a little bit of both. Don't get me wrong. I want you to believe in your skills. But there's a difference between being confident in your skills and being cocky. A cocky pilot says, you know, they believe that they're better than their skill set really is. And unfortunately, as I'm saying this, I'm sure you're thinking of somebody because we all know a pilot who you're thinking, going, you know, they just... They bought a little more airplane than they should have, or they they think they're a little bit better than they really are. They really need some work in this department. I'm sure, as I'm saying that, you're thinking of somebody, right? Now, continuing with this proficiency idea, what does the FAR aim actually say about proficiency? Well, there's something called an IPC, Instrument Proficiency Check. It's outlined in 6157 subpart D. We just read subpart C. We're reading subpart D. Let's say, you know, for some reason we failed to meet those six-month requirements. In fact, they, they say that exactly here. A person who has failed to meet the instrument experience requirements of paragraph C, the paragraph I just read to you, for more than six calendar months. So let me backtrack my, I gave you some dates. Remember, that's a calendar month. So my dates were a little bit off on that using the first. It was a poor example. So realize it is a calendar month there. Within more than six calendar months, may reestablish instrument currency only by completing an instrument proficiency check. The instrument proficiency check must consist of the areas of operation and instrument tasks required in the instrument rating, and this is interesting, they say practical test standards. Now, I'd imagine that this regulation is going to be updated here relatively soon to say airman certification standards, right? The instrument proficiency check must be in an aircraft that is appropriate to the aircraft category. And it continues on. The instrument proficiency check must be given by, and there's a few options here. One, an examiner. Two, a person authorized by the U.S. Armed Forces to conduct instrument flight tests. Three, a company check pilot. Four, an authorized instructor. Or five, a person approved by the administration to conduct instrument practical tests. They do talk about proficiency. And what can we do? It's so interesting, though, in their verbiage, right, that we open this podcast up by saying the difference between a current and a proficient pilot. Well, I don't think it's the same in the FAA's eyes now, is it? Because they say here, they say, this is what you need to do to be current. But then they say, here's what you need to do to be proficient, but they define proficiency if you fall out of currency. Do you see where that's kind of backwards, uh, I, I think, in a way? I mean, if anything, if, if it's been more than six calendar months and you need an IPC, you're going to be a little bit rusty, I would imagine. It's just a fact. It simply happens to us all the time. I mean, when the weather's bad, when I run a very crazy travel schedule, I mean, it happens. And I'll go up and I'll do an IPC to get 
current again. Yes, it's called an IPC, but there's nothing proficient about it. It is just to get me current. And then once I can do that, I go up on my own and strive for proficiency. The But we run such a crazy schedule. This this year alone, August and September, doing these seminars, again, goodpilottour.com, I'm going to be gone for six weeks. We were in Europe for over a month doing seminars this year. Like We run a very crazy schedule sometimes. And even when we are home, it's kind of that I'm safe checklist thing. Coming back, you're going, gosh, it's been so long and... Uh, am I really confident to get up there and get back flying? And I'm just, these are confessions of a flight instructor because we all struggle with this. You see us on, on YouTube and in the ground school and assume that Jason's just some super pilot flies all the time. But I myself find myself sometimes because of our travel schedule falling out of currency, certainly proficiency, but falling out of currency even in that case. And it's having humility, having a humble mindset to go back and go, you know, I I really need to get up with an instructor here and correct this so I can be that good pilot who's always like, not just, not, yes, we, you know, we all want to follow the regulations, absolutely 100%, but that's the minimum, that's the least you can do to get by, right? How can we strive for proficiency? Well, another way we can pull that off, another way we can do that is, have you flown with a safety pilot? Who can be a safety pilot? You know, what's required to be logged if we have a safety pilot? AOPA did a really nice article, I'm going to read to you here, about this idea of having or being a safety pilot. I'm going to read it for you just just about uh, uh, word for word here. It is FAR 91-109 subpart C that specifically imposes the requirement that a safety pilot be on board an aircraft being operated in simulated instrument flight. This regulation is really a supplement to the see and avoid responsibility thus imposed on us in 91-113 subpart B, which says, when weather conditions permit, regardless of whether an operation is conducted under instrument flight rules or visual flight rules, vigilance shall be maintained by each person operating the aircraft as to see and avoid the other aircraft. So we're really combining regulations, as you can see here, and taking little bits from each to make this work, checking all the legal boxes. Boxes. It continues on. So, in discharge of this responsibility, it makes sense that if a pilot's vision is restricted, such as simulated instrument flight being under the hood, there must be another qualified pilot on board primarily to help see and avoid other aircraft. Now, what qualifications are necessary for a safety pilot to be able to properly discharge this responsibility as outlined in 91113? So back to FAR 91109 in itself tells us some of the qualifications, but there are other qualifications imposed by, again, yet other regulations. FAR 91109C subpart 1 requires that a safety pilot must hold at least a private pilot certificate. Can we check that box? The pilot certificate must have category and class ratings that are appropriate to the aircraft being flown. FAR 91109 does not address a safety pilot's need for a medical certificate or an instrument rating or recent experience, which is very interesting. We need to look elsewhere in the regulations to pull that out, right? The FAA interprets other regulations to require a medical certificate. So 
Although 91109, what I'm saying here and what I'm reading, although 91109 does not specifically say you need a medical, you need an instant rating, you need recency of experience to be current, whatever it is, just because 91109 doesn't say it doesn't mean it's not found elsewhere, if that makes sense. Let's continue reading here. Uh, here is the FAA's analysis. FAR 61.3, now we're into part 61, uh, subpart C, provides with certain expectations, not relevant here, that no person may act, um, no person may act in any capacity as a required flight crew member under an FAA-issued pilot certificate unless he or she holds the appropriate airman medical certificate. All right, this is very interesting here. So 61.3 says pilot flight crew member that's flying under an FAA-issued certificate cannot act as that flight crew member unless he or she holds the appropriate medical certificate. So again, we have to dig deeper. What's a flight crew member? You don't walk out and go, I'm the flight crew member today. No, I'm the pilot in command. I could be second. What am I, right? Flight crew member. So Again, digging into more regulatory jargon here, we're now into part one, which is definitions. 1.1 in the FARS defines a flight crew member as a pilot assigned to perform a duty in an aircraft during flight time. Well, that's interesting. So 61.3 says, calls you a flight crew member, and now we've learned that a flight crew member is a pilot, check, we said we meet that, I'm a, at least a private pilot, assigned to perform a duty in an aircraft. Well, your responsibility is to help me see and avoid why I'm under the hood, right? In, in an aircraft during flight time. Now, since a safety pilot is required by regulation to be on board to perform see and avoid duties, and since the safety pilot must hold a a pilot certificate under this analysis, the safety pilot must hold a current and appropriate medical certificate, airman medical certificate, right? Based on that interpretation here. Now it continues to get interesting. The safety pilot thing, as you can see, it's, it's easy for people to see the gray area and take it to where they want. We're really diving into the regs and seeing where they lead us here. Now a safety pilot does not have to have an instrument rating. If the flight is being conducted under visual flight rules, let me say that again, a safety pilot does not have to have an instrument rating if the flight is being conducted under visual flight rules. However, if the aircraft is operated under instrument flight rules, even if it's VFR conditions, right, it could be clear intent, but because you're on an IFR flight plan, because you're operating under those uh, IFR instrument flight rules, Whoever is acting as pilot command of that flight must hold that instrument rating appropriate to the aircraft being operated. So if a pilot who is not instrument rated is flying an aircraft IFR under a hood simulating instrument conditions, the safety pilot must necessarily be acting as pilot in command of an aircraft operating IFR and therefore must hold an instrument rating. Interesting now, isn't it? If the pilot under the hood is instrument rated and acting as pilot in command, even though the flight is IFR, the safety pilot is not required to have an instrument rating or be instrument current. Now, let's answer the other question of what about recency of experience and, or what about flight review requirements? Certainly, whoever is pilot in command must meet these requirements. But what about a safety pilot? 
Are they considered pilot command? How are we looking at that? Notice that the requirements of 6157 subparts B and C for three takeoffs and landings in the past 90 days only apply to the person who serves as pilot in command on a flight on which passengers are carried. So since the safety pilot in different... In, in the circumstance we're using here is not pilot in command, although there's opportunities based on ratings and certificates where they may be pilot in command, but given our current scenario, they may not have to meet the recency of experience requirements based on flight rules being flown and operated. What about a flight review now? 6156. Um, commonly but incorrectly called a uh, biannual flight review or, or BFR sometimes. Remember, it's now just simply called a flight review. That's been changed uh, over the years now. This requirement applies only to the person, again, serving as pilot in command. So as long as the safety pilot is not acting as pilot in command, this requirement doesn't apply to the safety pilot. Interesting. And gosh, do you want to open up another can of worms? Who's logging what? And what am I logging? My goodness, we could just do a whole podcast on that. And maybe we should in the near future with that. But hopefully you've been enlightened. You know, there's obviously you look in 91109, which talks about you need a safety pilot. Great. But it doesn't give you the specifics. You have to dig deeper. They don't, I wish they just laid it out plain as day for you. But of course, they don't make it that easy now, do they? So uh, hopefully that makes sense. I know that's a lot. Anytime you start quoting regulations, it gets to be a lot. But hopefully it makes sense. Might be one of those podcasts to listen to again and get a better understanding of it. So thank you to AOPA for their research and that great article there as well. Amazing resource. Excited to see you all at Oshkosh. Excited to see you all on the Good Pilot Tour, goodpilottour.com. Make sure you like uh, and follow mzeroa.com on Facebook. Uh, just M-Z-E-R-O-A. Type that in on Facebook. We'll come right on up. And uh, thank you for just sharing the good word of M0A.com with your uh, friends and family, your fellow pilots. Listen, enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you.